All right, I'm going. Go ahead and turn over to Galatians. We're going to talk about keys to growth. You know, growth is a natural thing. Most areas we want to grow in. My wife has not been wanting me to grow physically. So I've ungrown. That's good. But in life, we, you want to progress. You want to be more mature. In the Christian realm, you want to be more like Jesus this year than you were last year. In fact, something's wrong if your Christianity looks the same year after year. I've got to tell you, something's not happening that should be happening. Now, of course, one of the joys of our life is our grandson, Hunter, and he's now crawling. You know, various things motivate the ability to crawl. Hunter's motivation is electronics. Remote controls. Phones. Computers. That little guy will get up on all fours and he will awkwardly get forward to the point where he's close enough. Then he just does the belly sprawl and grabs it. Say so he's like his daddy. I protect. I, I predict that many electronics around Hunter are going to get wrecked. Uh, you know, he kept going over to the receiver and trying to hit all the buttons because the lights. So I set up two backpacks in front of it. You know, kind of what well, you can't see what's going on. What do you do? He crawled over there, pulled the backpack down. And he's like, I know where it is. It's behind this. And I was like, have fun with that one, Michael. I know where he gets it. But in life, we're challenged. We're challenged. We face new situations. You're never as old as you are today. And tomorrow it will change again. If you're a parent, your children have never been as old as they are today. You've never been at that job or at that school as long as you have been today. All of life's a new situation. But how are you doing? How are you doing with life? How are you managing? You know, the fact is, um, I've been... Uh, embarking on a graduate degree for a little under a year now. And it's really been uh, exciting. It's been interesting. It's been challenging and a lot of work. But exposed to new ideas, new ways of thinking, new understanding. You know, I constantly find myself going, wow, I had no idea. Like, did you know worldwide Christianity is exploding in growth? But more than two-thirds of the world's Christianity exists in Latin America, Africa, and India and Asia. And the ratios are getting more and more that way. That the southern churches are redefining Christianity. You know, it's not always what you think when you live here. You think, well, Christianity and mainstream denominations seem to be uh, getting less and less. That is not the case in the world. Well, one of our projects, we were looking at the book of Galatians, trying to understand, okay, what is this book about? For, you know, the longest time you you look at it is, well, it's talking about how to become a Christian. 
And whether or not you're going to live according to the law or whether or not you're going to live according to faith, we looked at it from a different perspective. What if that's not what it's talking about? And really what the book's about is how to grow spiritually. Then how would life look? Well, you pick it up in chapter 1 and in verse 6, Paul says this, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and returning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we're an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. And in fact, Paul's speaking to the church here to a group of people who are already saved. So he's not telling saved people how to get saved. But there's a problem in the church where they're turning away from what they did to become a Christian. And they're now trying to mature as a Christian in the old way of thinking. You say, well, what is it? Well, they came out of a Jewish background where it was very much a mindset of rule following. It was kind of the external approach that if you can obey from the outside in... You're going to grow. But what was the problem? Well, that didn't work to become a Christian. Nobody's going to obey uh, successfully enough to be redeemed of their own merit. It takes faith, right? And that was the process. But then once they made it in, they're trying to go back to old patterns of thinking. You know what? I think what you're going to see in your own life is we tend to do that too. You know, we go through that transformation. We start going, oh, this is the life I want to live. And then as we get into our life routines and life starts to settle in, it's easy to go back to our bad habits. It's easy to go into our default mode. You know, Mary's, we just spent six uh, classes talking about cherishing your spouse. Are you still cherishing Or have you gone back to the default mode to do life the way you were already living? You know, what's life look look like for you? So the first thing we want to talk about is growing from the inside out. Turn over to chapter 3. Paul says this in verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous will live by faith. So Paul's talking about the oppression and the curse that comes from trying to live a successful life according to the obedience to this external standard. And he says the righteous will live by faith. So here's a question for you. What's your daily life approach? 
What is your agenda? What's your to-do list look like? Is it faithful living? Or is it a checklist? Oh, I had my quiet time. Yeah, every once in a while as a minister, you know, you tell people, hey, you need to walk with God daily. And you hear someone, oh, yeah, well, well, what if I don't? Am I still a Christian? What if I don't share my faith? Am I still a Christian? You know, the very nature of asking that question reveals the checklist mentality that you have. You see, if you live by faith, you would never ask that question because a faithful liver wants to walk with God. A faithful liver wants to make a difference in somebody else's life. So do I have to? Do I have to come to family group? Do I have to come to midweek? You're in big trouble in your Christian life. Because your mentality is one of a checklist. You say, I'm going to live faithfully. And you don't ask if I have to. You want to. He said, there's a curse. You ever been called to do a task that you were unequipped to do? Somebody expected you to accomplish a task. You're like... I can't do that. Remember, Mike and I, when we were in uh, ninth grade track, actually eighth grade track, we were not enduring enough to be good distance athletes. We were not fast enough to be sprinters. We had no jumping ability to be jumpers. So Mike and I, we had this role on the team, and that was on the bus to the meet, we found out what event we participated in. And it was whoever was sick or injured, that was our event. Yeah, you know how this story ends. But I remember in particular, the most humbling experience was the day the long jumper was sick. So Mike and I got to do the long jump. And, you know, you got people out there and they're and, and they're putting all these marks of where they're going to start their run. We didn't have marks. And I remember when we walked up there, Mike, and I, we, we like looked at each other. You had to jump. You had to jump 13 feet just to make the sand. That means that you jumped and 13 feet and shorter, you hit pavement. (laughs) We weren't really worried about what place we were going to finish. All we were thinking of is, you think you can make the sand? (laughs) Uh, Mike faulted all three times. Just so he could make the sand. I actually made the sand once and I said, well, that's as good as I'm going to do. I'm not jumping the next two times. You know, uh, there, there were a lot of chuckles going on. 
you know what, you're laughing at us and that's fine. You ought to laugh at a Christian way of life that thinks you're going to be successful by obedience. It's just as funny to watch. It's humiliating. It's miserable. And I'll tell you this. Failure is assured. Oh, Satan loves it. Some of our attempts at living that way. Oh, they're, they're on his YouTube video posts. You know how you do something embarrassing and somebody videos it and then posts it? I think Satan's doing that with some of us. Because we actually believe we can make Christianity a checklist that we can successfully achieve and be great. It didn't work to become a Christian and it's not going to work to grow as a Christian. Following rules. Will not make you more like Jesus. Forming faith on the inside will actually produce the right kind of living. And that's what Paul is talking about. You know, rule following is fakey. You can prep for a midterm exam and be really good at cranking out the problems that you think are going to be on the exam and then you get the actual exam and do a bad job because you realize there's a component of information you did not get. See, rule following is fakey because you think, oh, see, here's my proof of my maturity in Christ. I did this. I did this. But that's kind of like going through a series on cherishing your spouse that your spouse says, I don't feel cherished. And you go, well, that's not true because I've picked up my socks um, and we give the checklist. A checklist is not the same thing as having the right heart on the inside. And that's what Paul's trying to get the church in Galatia to understand. A little later in chapter four, he says this, starting in verse four. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Since you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You're observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that I've somehow wasted my efforts on you. Paul's frustrated. Because he taught the church to live by faith. And they're going back to old patterns, thinking that they're going to grow and mature as a Christian. And, and what's their problem here? They forgot that they were adopted as sons and daughters by God. And so you got this concept here. You're trying to work to get promoted. 
Are you enjoying your status as a son or daughter? Can you imagine your child going, hey, you know, I worked really hard on the exam. Now, now can I be your son? They're like, well, you're already my son. Hope you work hard. But you're my son, whether you work hard or whether you don't work hard. You God, I prayed really hard. Do I get promoted now? God's like, well, you're my son. Yeah, but now what? Well, you're still my son. You see, as a son or a daughter, your status in God's family is already set in motion. You don't get promoted. But there is no promotion. There's being a son. There's being a daughter. But see, if we lose sight of this, we're working hard to try and get a promotion. You know, that's the way it works in our career, right? I want to get promoted. I want to get higher pay. I want to get more responsibility. And certainly there's principles in the Bible where, hey, when you're faithful with with a few things, God will give you more responsibility. But it never changes your status as a son or a daughter. On your worst day spiritually, you are just as much a son as you were on your most faithful day question is, what mentality do you live with? Paul said, that's the key. You got that status of sonship. There's, there's a strength. There's a security that comes from that. We're not trying to prove anything. We're simply acting out of love for our Father. That's, there's a different heart behind that when we go that way. Yeah, a little later in chapter 14, Paul talks and and he says, those people, now those are the people that are trying to make you into rule followers. And guess who's the enforcement of the rule following? Well, it's those people, okay? He says, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. So you've got this concept here where you've got these you know, this Jewish influence of rule following coming into the church. And what it's created is a dynamic where they're trying to force a dependence on these teachers. And they're trying to say, hey, you need me in order to follow these rules. And Paul's saying, no, 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 it doesn't work that way. You see, because if the inside of your heart is living in the right way, then you're going to do what's right. Even when I'm not around you. Say, what do you expect of yourself when no one else is around? 
You know, I remember in Toronto when I was in the campus ministry, I was one of the few that had a car. And so that meant I got a, I got a lot of requests for rides. And I was happy to give rides, but I said, I got two rules. Here's the rules. You cannot call me and ask for a ride within 24 hours of whatever that moment is. Unless something flaked on you, and that is the reason you're asking last minute. And the second thing is, when I leave church and I get to my car, I'm leaving. I'm not going to come find you. I'm not going to tell you I'm leaving. I am not going to warn you that I'm leaving in five minutes. I'm just going to leave. And when I get to the car, if you're there, you get a ride. And if you're not there, you don't get a ride. So that means you're responsible to know where I'm at and be at my car when I'm there with my keys. You know what I found? It's amazing how in advance people can prepare their schedule if, if that condition is there, and how amazing you don't have to remind them that you're leaving if they know that they got to be there. You know, it, it's, you can have your rules, but see, what was it? I was making them own how they lived. You go, yeah, but Ron, that was your rules. Well, you know what? The point is, I could have been the one to say, hey, we're going to go. we got to go. Come on. It's time to go. I'm leaving. Hey, stop talking. It's time to go. Parents, it sound like anything? People can take responsibility for themselves if the expectation is there. Do you live differently when no one's around, do you speak differently to your kids or to your spouse if no one's around? What about your integrity? If no one's around? You know, our Christianity is not shown by what we do. When others are right there with us, observing and holding us accountable, our Christianity is really much more revealed in absence of those things. You know, one of the things that, that makes me so proud is Aaron Lashana. I've done a little bit of traveling this fall, a couple trips to Dallas and one to Panama. And you know what? It's been unanimous what I hear. I come back. Ron, the church is cranking. Aaron and Shana, they're doing an amazing job. The church doesn't miss a beat. You know what? That's because they have the right things on the inside. Otherwise, you know, uh, when the cat's away, the mice will play. How do you live? Paul's telling the, the Galatians, listen, maturity is what happens 
when the inside is in the right place. You know, and he moves on in chapter five. Let's go to point number two. You are free to choose. That's part of getting the inside in the right place. That in chapter five. Verse one to three, it says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to you or to every man who lets himself be circumcised, he's required to obey the whole law. And so Paul used this concept of a yoke. Now, you know, we got a couple uh, um, oxen right here and you see the yoke across. Now, what's the theory of the yoke? Well, bonds two together. But it's also a tool of training because if you got one ox that knows what to do and you got a younger ox that's totally clued out, the ox that knows what to do can guide forcibly the young clued out ox. And so it becomes a teaching and and training tool. It's like, well, you're going to do what I do because we're tied together. So the question is not, are we yoked to something, but but what are we going to yoke ourselves to? And so if we choose to yoke ourselves to a rule-following mentality, where is that going to lead us? And that's what Paul's talking about. So the good news is that you have a choice. Now, Paul, Paul describes it. He says, by grace or law. And law is the rule following of the Mosaic law. Well, let's continue here. And in verse 13, he says this. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Now, sometimes you can hear a sermon like this and go, I knew it. See, people that have expectations of me, they're a yoke and they're my problem. I knew it. I am free. Free at last. I knew it all along and Paul's confirming it. I can do whatever I want. You can't expect me to do anything. That's wrong. No. That is not what he's saying. In fact, he says something pretty hard line right here. When he says, you're called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. Actually, a number of times in the New Testament, that word serve is used. The Greek word doulos actually means something very different. It means to be a slave. And so when he says serve one another in love, in the Greek, it means be a slave to one another. You say, well, why is that distinction important? Well, if you're a servant, you get to pick and choose your times of serving. You can pick and choose the areas of serving. But if you're a slave, 
You don't get that freedom. You go, wait, I thought I thought I was free in Christ. And now you're talking about being a slave to one another. Yeah, you are free to choose to be a slave to one another. That's Paul's point. Oh, not an external yoke. But an internal choice. You think about how this changes the way we live if we live with this mentality. We no longer can compartmentalize our Christianity. We can no longer look at our week and go, well, I want to be able to serve on at this moment and at this time and here. No, it, it becomes a way of life. It's all day, every day. There's no days off. It is a consistent lifestyle that we've chosen. Paul says that is the expectation to one another. Say, what does the fellowship look like? Yo, church, I got to be honest. Punctuality is terrible. And I would love to say, just get your fanny here early. But that would make you a rule follower. But you know what the real problem is? You don't really care about the other people in here. So you could show up late and it doesn't bother you because it's not really about them. Not with how you live. So if I get there early or not, it doesn't really matter because I'm just trying to get my connection with God. Your corporate time together is not your personal time to connect with God. That's, that's your quiet time. That's your daily bread. That is a component of it. But worship is the fellowship. Worship is the preaching of God's word. Worship is the praying. Worship is the singing. It's what goes on before church. It's what goes on afterward. It's what is going on if you're serving in kids' kingdom. It's what's going on if you're loading the music equipment into the trailer. It's all worship. But you know what else is part of it? Oh, it's what goes on tonight. It's what goes on tomorrow. So when we're disconnected, when we don't prioritize things like a family group, a retreat, service, personal time of mentoring, when we don't prioritize that, you go, what's that reveal? Oh, you're far from being a slave to one another. You've just made people... Another checklist item. They've just become another rule to follow. And you're on a path of misery and a path of failure. Paul says, oh yeah, you're free in Christ. Christ has set us free. But you ought to choose to be a doulos of one another. Later in chapter 6, 
Paul says this, verse 7 to 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. So what's Paul concluding with here? He says, God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You can't live according to bad habits and then expect to grow spiritually. You can't study math and hope that that's going to help you on your chemistry exam. He says, God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. This affects our relationships. He said, well, I don't feel connected to anybody. You know what? Normally what's implicit in that is everybody else is a problem in my life. Paul says, God cannot be mocked. Man reaps what he sows. He said, your relational connection is a result of what you've sown. Your spiritual growth or stagnation is a result of what you've sown. It's nobody's fault. It's just a spiritual principle that's in play. It says, God cannot be mocked. It would mock God if we thought... I don't really have to live this way, but I'm going to mature in Christ anyway. I don't need to be a slave to anybody else, but I'm going to have great relationships. No, God will not be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. He says, let us not become weary. And doing good. You know what it means to be weary? It's when you give up on the inside. You may actually still be going through the motions. But you've grown weary. Yeah, you work hard at something, you can have moments of weariness. You know, no surprise, I love to eat. And I've been on a diet <laughs> like the second or third week of July, and today was a glorious day. I finally hit 189.8. I made it under the 190, so that's good. Yeah, thanks. Um, But so my son Luke and my brother Mike are in Minneapolis, and they went to this cool steakhouse called Butcher and Boar, and they sent me this fabulous picture of this thing called the long bone that Mike said is like eight pounds of meat. And you know what? I sent him a picture of my dinner. You know what it was? A zone bar. You know what? I have hated every day <laughs> of my diet. I found one zone perfect bar that I love. I'll bet I've eaten a hundred of them. 
It's the cookies and cream bar. For, for the life of me, I cannot figure out how I lose weight eating those things. Because it's kind of like cookies and cream, ice cream and cream cheese frosting got together, had a little culinary baby, and they put it in this bar. And you put it in the fridge so it's chilled, and then you take it out, and it's kind of chewy. And I'm like, this is like dessert, and somehow it's healthy. I don't know. It's been working. But... You know, I've had a number of conversations with my wife over this because she's the one that, that really wanted me to do this diet. And she keeps wanting me to, like, own this thing. And she'll be like, well, I want you to do this for yourself. I'm like, honey, don't fool yourself. I felt fine about myself when I weighed 213.8. And she goes, yeah, but don't you feel healthier? like not particularly (laughs) you know what i'm not alone for you it may not be a diet so you may not be sick as zone perfect bar cookies and cream they're actually pretty good but whatever it is in your spiritual life i promise you 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 make some kind of effort you can have days where you wake up and you're like, I am so sick of this. I want to just go nuts. You know, I've not eaten a Cinnabon since early July. That's sacrificial right there. Yeah, oh yeah. Even the mini ones. Um Say, I I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what hardships you're facing relationally. I don't know what ways you've decided, I don't want to serve anymore. I don't want to try and help anymore. I don't want to try and repent anymore. Paul says, do not grow weary. At the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. You say, what's the proper time? I don't know. It's just the one that's proper. The proper time is never soon enough. It's never our time, but God knows. And then he says something here. He says, as we have opportunity. But there's, there's more than just, well, if you get lucky and a really great opportunity lands in your lap. No, it's stronger than that. It's make opportunities. Now, you can have a conversation with somebody that discloses no opportunities. So what's it look like? Oh, how's everything going? Well, it's been kind of rough. Oh, that's really bad. I'll pray for you. Yeah, you connected. You didn't make any opportunities. Let me tell you what make an opportunity looks like. How can I help you? What do you need me to do for you? 
You see, make opportunities. Spiritual life. Making opportunities. What's that look like? You know, sometimes that's a tough conversation. Say, hey, I witnessed an interaction that you had with so-and-so, and I didn't feel good about what you said, and I want to talk with you about it. Or I heard about this behavior. I'd like to talk about it. You see, that's, that's making opportunities. You go, well, those are uncomfortable talks. Yeah. But it says, do good to all men, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Paul says, there, there ought to be a priority of relationship in this group. He said, this is the family. See, Paul's trying to teach the church, hey, here's how you're going to grow spiritually. He goes, there's no shortcuts. God will not be mocked. At the end of the day, you're going to reap what you sow. He said, rule following is not going to mature you in Christ. It's going to put a heavy burden on you that's too much to bear. But right when we think, yes, finally I'm freed up, he goes, but let me tell you, your freedom now gives you the ability to choose slavery to one another. No days off. It just becomes who we are. But it's not mandated on us. It's a lifestyle that we've chosen. Paul says, you do this? Oh, yeah. You'll grow. You know why? Because the inside is where the growth is occurring. An immature heart doesn't make the mature decision to have that type of commitment to one another. He said the growth comes from the inside out. So what will you do? What will the framework be that you're going to choose to live by? Paul says you became a Christian by faith. And you're going to grow to become like Christ by faith. Let's figure out where we've gotten off track and maybe where we tried to substitute rule following for having our internals in the right place. If you've grown weary, Paul says get back on track. He says you'll reap a harvest if you do not give up. He said hang in there. Keep eating your zone bars. It'll work. So the challenge for us is to grow. But not grow from the outside in, but grow from the inside out. Let's put these things into practice in our life. Let's remove the burden of obedience to rules. And let's choose a path of obligation out of love. Amen? Let's stand as we close in a final song.